More proof of the big freaking climate scam. Child trafficking in your backyard. Mm-hmm. And why so quiet on the Obama chef's death? All that and more coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday. Mm-hmm. It is Monday, and that means the start of a brand new week and the start of a brand new Miko update. We'll bring you up to date on our favorite Shiba Inu baby. She's doing really well, actually, and uh, had a wonderful day today. Where is her picture? Could we see Miko's picture, please? Boop, there you go. Uh, yeah, she's doing great. Had a good walk, a couple of good uh, meals and some treats. She always she always cheats me at a treat. The minute you go to the kitchen, which in special drawers is where we keep all of her cookies and treats, she's right on your tail. She follows you in there, and then she sits there and looks up at you like, can I have one? <laughs> doesn't matter. You go in for a glass of water, you'll wind up giving her a treat. So there you go. Our Miko update is brought to you by BarkBox. That is a way to get your dog exactly what they want, treats and all. Every month, a brand new box will be delivered right to your door. It's a themed box. Every month, a new theme. And inside, you'll find two amazing dog toys, two bags of all-natural treats, and an all-natural dog chew. All good for your dog they will love it, I promise you. If they don't, or if you don't love something, they have a 100% happiness guarantee. You get a hold of customer service, they will make it right no matter what. BarkBox.com slash Miko is the link. And down in our show notes, underneath that link, you'll see a special limited time Simpsons BarkBox exclusive. If you are a fan of the Simpsons, you can get your uh, Simpson-themed BarkBox. The link's in our show notes. Check it out. What a weekend. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. it. I did, actually, you know what? I didn't do much of anything this weekend. I just hung out, cleaned the house, did a few things around. But I I didn't actually do anything. I probably should have. Oh, no, I, I, I take that back. I did laundry. Okay? So there's that. <laughs> All right, there's a new study out, and it's one you're going to want to read. The link is in our show notes. There, It's a bombshell study. 96% of climate data is fraudulent, fake. Yeah. Most of the panic-inducing claims of a climate emergency is based on 96% fake data. According to a new study, veteran meteorologist Anthony Watts from the Heartland Institute recently concluded a massive study on the weather and climate in general. He traveled around the country inspecting meteorological equipment, studying historical weather data from around the globe. You know, all around the country, there are these little shacks where they record temperature, rainfall, all that kind of humidity. You know, they're, they're in shacks, basically, and they have all the weather instruments inside. He found that wildfires across North America are nothing new and nothing to do with climate change, despite what the mainstream media wants you to believe. He notes that the 21st century, there have actually been far fewer wildfires than in the past. 
Rather than focusing on discussing on what the real or imagined harms may be, how to mitigate them, how to help people, climate activists are taking the opportunity to blame climate change for the smoke. The reality is wildfires are becoming less frequent. You are likely just hearing about them more, and they're less severe as the planet modestly warms. The likely reason is the measured increase in evaporation from the world's oceans, which has resulted in more frequent global precipitation. Now, that's not the most disturbing part of this story. When you talk about modest warning, a warming, the planets exhibited, the, the claims have to be backed up by some solid data of some kind. But that's exactly the problem. As Dr. Watts wandered around the country inspecting all these weather stations, he discovered the available data is practically useless. When you attempt to qualify or quantify every slight change in average temperature, the claims about warming are completely flawed. And here's why. 96% of the data is corrupted. The vast majority of the thermometers in the NOAA relay stations, which are where these little weather shacks are, are not installed properly, and they are never maintained. They're defective, all of which leads to them recording artificially high temperatures. Here's his explanation. A new study finds approximately 96% 96%. You might as well say all of them. The U.S. temperature stations used to measure climate change failed to meet what NOAA considers to be acceptable and un uncorrupted placement by its own published standards. The report, compiled via satellite and in-person survey, visits uh, NOAA weather stations that contribute to the official land temperature data in the U.S., of which 96% are defective. Corrupted by localized effects, urbanization that produce heat bias, their close proximity to asphalt, machinery, heat producing, heat trapping, heat accentuating objects, in order to produce accurate temperatures based on NOAA's own standards. Thermometers are supposed to be in a natural, pristine location, like a field or a forest or a hilltop. However, Watts revealed more than 90% of NOAA's thermometers are in inappropriate places. <laughs> Get this. 96% of these thermometers, these temperature stations, are in parking lots, buildings, against a brick wall, or other artificial environments, which is, again, against NOAA's own standards for where these temperature stations are supposed to be located. The bricks, the asphalt, 
Human construction materials all add to the heat retention, all add to the temperature. If you put these thermometers in natural settings where they are supposed to be put, the temperature would be vastly lower. That's not to say that cities, parking lots, and highways aren't getting warmer. They clearly are. But that is not because the planet is getting warmer. It's because we build things that trap and keep heat inside, much more than Mother Nature ever would. Unbelievable. These facts, of course, you will never, ever, ever, never hear this from any of the mainstream media because they want you to just keep on believing. 96% of these weather stations, garbage, junk data. And that's the data they are using to convince you to give up your car and eat bugs. Good for you? Ah, mm. hmm. oh, man, I'm telling you. Hey, check out the Jay Sheldon Show merchandise. Links in our show notes. Some cool stuff there. All right, also, check out the cool stuff from Blackout Coffee. Blackout Coffee, my friends. Dump that garbage, liberal, crap coffee you've been drinking and get yourself an American cup of coffee. You're tired of the same old monotonous garbage liberal brands of coffee? It tastes like crap, brown water. Got a double bonus for you. Number one, this company supports this country, the USA, and all that it stands for, American values. And second, it is just simply the best damn coffee you will ever have. It is amazing coffee. And yes, there's even a Dan Bongino blend. I've been a coffee drinker all my life. I drink three, four, five cups every day. Nothing compares to that blackout coffee. It is absolutely delicious. A real bold coffee flavor. Blackout coffee, 100% committed to conservative values. Great coffee. They support our troops, our first responders. Going to ask a favor. Just check them out. Just check out a bag. Pick yourself up a bag. We got you a special discount code that'll get you a great deal. Try it. I promise you'll love it. You'll be back for more. And at checkout, use our code, which is J20, J A Y 20, and you will get 20% off your first order. That link is the top link in our show notes tonight. Blackout Coffee. They care about America. They are an American company. And they care about it making a great cup of coffee, and those two things are exactly what they've done. Use that discount code J20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. Blackout Coffee. Yeah, thank you, Blackout Coffee. Proud to have you a part of the show. All right, from the Washington Examiner. Oh, man. Gavin Newsom. Here we go. Good old California. He has signed a bill into law that reduces the penalty for having sexual relations with minors. You read that right. Reduced the penalty. A new law regarding judges' discretion whether or not to add individuals to the state's sex offender registry who've committed sodomy with minors. <laughs> 
Newsom signed the bill into law without comment last Friday. And now judges have greater discretion in statutory rape cases. Judges can decide whether to place a man on the sexual offenders registry or not. If he had uh, consensual intercourse with someone 14 to 17 years old and was not more than 10 years older than the older person. That discretion apparently only applies to vaginal intercourse, which LGBT advocates, including the author of the new bill, argued was discriminatory towards gay men. It eliminates discrimination against LGBTQ youth in our criminal justice system, the bill's sponsor, Scott Weiner, added on social media. This discrimination destroys lives. Well, you know what? So does raping a freaking 14-year-old. So now, there you go. Reducing penalties for sexual relations with a minor. California, I got a question for you. The question is, why? Why do you continually vote these freaks into office? Is this what you want? Apparently so. And it's getting worse. Emma Watson, the Daily Signal, wrote this great article. Check it out. It's in our show notes. The U.S. is a top destination for child sex trafficking. And it is happening in your backyard. This is scary, scary stuff. Carol was 11 when her family first sold her body for drugs. Sydney, 14, when she met an older man online who promised her financial security and a better life. And after another stint in the foster care system, Marcus decided that anything, including homelessness, would be better than the foster family he was living with. Each one of these stories, from real girls and boys, in the U.S. reflects the most common entry points for children being pulled into child trafficking. The facts are scary. On average, listen, listen close, pay attention. Victims are trafficked by someone they know, a friend, a family member, or a romantic partner. Most of the time, victims are, victims are trafficked. Predators can rent a child for a single sex act for an average of 90 bucks. That's all you're worth. Often that child is forced to have sex up to 20 times a day. Six days a week. Look, I know these are not easy things to hear, but you've got to hear them. You've got to know what's going on out there and how bad it is. However bad you think it is, it's worse. Trafficking usually occurs in hotels, motels, online websites, and at truck stops in the U.S. Fifty 
thousand people, primarily from Mexico and the Philippines, are trafficked into the U.S. every year. 50,000. According to the human, uh, Federal Human Trafficking Report, in 2018, over half of the criminal human trafficking cases active in the U.S. were sex trafficking cases involving only children. And nowadays, traffickers are all over social media to recruit, advertise victims of human trafficking, according to advocates. Films like Sound of Freedom, Taken, highlight the dangers of international trafficking, exploitation. Have you seen Sound of Freedom yet? If you haven't, please check it out. You must see this film. It's amazing. Studies estimate 83% of child trafficking victims in the U.S. are Americans. Like all crimes, trafficking has a context. In the U.S., child trafficking is aggravated by four main factors. The porous southern border. It ain't porous. It's wide open. Predatory social media. Pornography and broken families. This is a great article. Read the whole thing. It's there in the Daily Signal. The link is in our show notes. These numbers are way over the top and way too frightening. And they are way too real. Something's got to happen. Speaking of our southern border, just how porous do you suppose it is well i can tell you it is hang on just a quick second okay the mexican cartels have exploited a u.s government app to help them get people across check this out the government has something called the cbp1 app basically if you have this app and you come in through the south of Mexico, you get a free pass all the way up right to the U.S. border. The cartels have hacked the app. The Mexican government is allowing any immigrant who enters the country from Guatemala to continue traveling to the U.S. border if they have gotten the appointment on the CP CBP-1 phone app. The move would seem to be in the best interest of the U.S., but Mexican cartels are exploiting the app security. They've found a way to hack into the app and request unlimited appointments for anyone in the world, far beyond the app's northern Mexico geofence. Further evidence, as this administration continues to try to come up with new security paradigms along the border, and I don't really think they understand exactly what the problem is. They don't understand the lengths and depths that the cartels will go to to try and avoid it. Administration continues to put these legal pathways into place, which is Simply music to the cartel's ear, frankly. They put up an app, the cartel hacks it, 
And now they can get unlimited appointments for anybody in the world using the app. An extensive investigation, including a review of unclassified internal DHS docs and communications, revealed that Mexico's National Immigration Institute earlier this summer ordered their officials to turn away all non-Mexican citizens who do not have a CBP-1 app appointment. Officers set up checkpoints in the southern state of Chiapas and have conducted arrests at those encounters. Cartels, though, turned the app on its head, used Mexico's policy to its advantage, and basically overpowered the app, raking in the profits from any immigrant who wants to enter Mexico. And once you show up at the Guatemalan-Mexican border, the INM will let you proceed right through the gate, off you go, up to the U.S. border. Unbelievable. They come up with these ridiculous apps, and like they didn't figure that, or shouldn't have figured that, the cartels just hack them. Makes no difference. It isn't going to stop until you stop it. Let people know, please do something. Write, phone. At the bottom of our show notes after in today's show, there is a permanent link there I put in every show note on how to get a hold of your representatives in government. You use that uh, that link to that web page, and you put in your zip code or whatever, and it will tell you who your senators are, who your congresspeople are, how to contact them, phone numbers, addresses, whatever. It's all there. And let me tell you, when I used to work in radio, we'd get calls all the time. Calls from viewers, complaints, compliments, whatever. Every now and then, but very rarely, we would get letters. I spent 20 over years in radio. I was a morning man doing a morning show. And uh, boy, those were the days. But when we used to get a letter, we paid attention to it. Because there was actually some data. I forget what that research was now. It was something like for every one letter, it represented four or five hundred phone calls. Because, you know, these days you pick up the phone, it's easy. You just make a phone call, drop a dime. No big deal. doesn't take long. But to actually sit down and write a letter, mail that letter, that takes some effort. And that's why for every one letter, it's worth hundreds, if not thousands of phone calls. If you can, and look, I know you got busy lives. I know you got stuff to do. But if the future of this country really is important to you, if you really care enough, take the time. Yes, phone calls are nice. Emails are great. But ultimately, if you want someone's attention, write a letter. You know what happens? Somebody has to handle that letter put it on somebody's desk, and then even if it sits there, eventually they're going to clean up the desk and they're going to wind up seeing this letter. You write a letter, it does make a difference. It makes a much bigger difference. I know it's a pain in the ass, but if you any way you can do that, write a letter. Don't do nothing. Call, email, but ultimately, write a letter. All right, James Comey's daughter. Remember James Comey, the disgusting, corrupted ex-FBI chief 
from the People's Voice, James Comey's daughter is fighting to stop a judge from releasing the Epstein client list. Oh, yes. There she is, and there he is. Federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, including James Comey's daughter, Maureen, have formally requested a judge keep Jeffrey Epstein's top-secret client list under lock and key. The unreleased FBI files from Epstein, according to the prosecution filing, include exhibits that were not publicly filed at the first trial, specifically information about witnesses who may testify at a new trial, as well as information and documents authored by potential trial witnesses. Here's their excuse. If Ghislaine Maxwell files an appeal, then all that evidence will come back into play. In their latest filing, Maureen Comey, daughter of corrupt James Comey, admitted the FBI is sitting on unreleased information that could impact a jury appeal in any appeal from Ghislaine Maxwell. Nice try. The letter to the judge was signed by Maureen Comey, who's the lead prosecutor. The withheld records include statements from and evidence regarding many more victims of Epstein and numerous witnesses who were not called or referenced during the first trial, including some who the government may elect to call or reference if this case were to be retried. What a crock of crap. But apparently the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Right, Jim? Some, somehow I am just totally not surprised by that story. Absolutely not surprised. Few things these days make me go, hmm. I read these things and I go, mm, yeah, that figures. All right, this is from IJR.com. Link is in our show notes. As always, the cops have ruled on Obama's chef's death, and yet they still will not release critical information about the death. They have declared the recent death of Obama's personal chef an accident. But the mystery keeps deepening. You know, if you want to stop all of this talk, chit-chat, garbage, what-is-happening stuff from going on, just release the freaking information. The Daily Mail in the UK reports local police are rejecting for uh, requests for even basic facts. The identity of the sole witness, who was the 911 caller, Jafari Campbell, who reportedly drowned while paddleboarding July 23rd, it's been several weeks now, near the Obama estate. Authorities cited an exemption to a public records law that allows them to withhold any information that could jeopardize an active investigation. Well, if you have deemed the death an accident, 
Seems to me the investigation must be pretty much mm, over. Since foul play's already been ruled out, obviously, the only remaining issue is they're waiting for a toxicology report. Just going to keep dragging it out, and you know why. Because they think you and I are going to forget about it. It's already gone out of the news cycles. Nobody's covering it anymore. I'm not giving up. I will keep dogging on this story till we get answers. And we do not have all the answers yet. An unlamed public safety official is quoted as saying, It's driving me absolutely nuts because it's making it seem like there's something going on and there's not. As far as I know, some poor guy went out on a paddleboard, wasn't a great swimmer, and he drowned. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and you know what? Great. I mean, if that's the story, that's the story. There you go. Thank you very much. Sorry it happened. Move on. Org. But we don't know, and you're not letting us know. You're not letting us let go. I will not give up on this story until we get the answers. The answers may be quite simple. Maybe exactly what that guy just said. But we don't know. And we need to know. All right. How much did you pay for your last pair of shoes? 100 bucks? 500 bucks? 5,000 bucks? I live in the land of Jimmy Choo, by the way. <laughs> well... What if you found out a pair of shoes that normally sold for $20, you bought for $640 from a brand new shoe store called Palessi. Palessi. Take a look at this. Wow, this looks like some high fashion stuff. Check it out. Palessi. All kinds of accessories. High-end fashion collection. The biggest offer the store scored was a pair of sneakers sold for $640. Within a few hours, they announced the opening of this brand new luxury line, Pelesi. And within a few hours from the grand opening celebration, the store made 3000 bucks. Here's the catch. Palessi is Payless-y. This is hilarious. They opened a fake luxury shoe shop and tricked influencers by selling $20 shoes for 640 bucks. Recently, the budget-friendly shoe company, Payless, pulled a savage prank on fashion influencers in California, and I love it when these goofballs get taken like this. Payless took over a former Armani store in Santa Monica, stocked all the shelves with their shoes. This pop-up store, they designed it and decorated it to look like every other high fat. Look at this. Check this out. These are all Payless shoes. The store was filled with designs from Payless, and the only difference was they altered the price. <coughs> Unbelievable. Fashionistas were tricked into believing they are buying designer goods. In the end, customers lost nothing. Payless refunded the money they had spent and let them keep the shoes. Hmm. 
Pelesi turned out to be a big hit. They complimented the quality, the style of the footwear. Brilliant marketing move. Look at this. Gotcha moments revealed in an ad campaign. <laughs> can I play? I think I can play this. Hang, Hang on. on. Let's see if it'll work. There we go. I would pay 400 500 Yeah. People are going to be like, oh, where'd you get those? Those are amazing. These are actually from Payless. Shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> Did I just pay too much? <laughs> oh. Did I just pay too much? How cool is that? <laughs> gotcha. Oh, man, I love it. I got a bunch of these stored up. We'll get to them eventually. <laughs> All right, this next one is a treat, a tweet, rather. And... You know we are all against CBDCs around here. Central bank digital currency. Do everything you can to fight against it. Pay cash if you can. Do not be fooled by these idiots. And by these idiots, I mean people like this woman. She is so excited because she gets to pay with her hand. I'm at Whole Foods and I'm about to pay for my groceries with my That's so cool. It's so convenient. Wait till they stick a little chip in your hand. Then you'll really be able to get in and out and get access to. And you know what? What if instead of it working, it came up and said, sorry, you've purchased too much carbon-creating meat this week. Your purchase is not allowed. You don't have a good enough social credit score because you posted something we didn't like on your social media. So... This purchase is not allowed. Yeah. Keep plugging away. Keep telling everybody exactly how convenient life will be when you've got your digital currency. Unbelievable. What else we got? Oh, hi there. I am not giving up, by the way, on this Sun Bear story. I refuse. We've done this every show for three shows now. This will make it four. There's a sun bear, which is a Malaysian bear species. They're quite odd looking. They've got this big yellow thing on their chest. It's part of their fur and their design. But in this zoo, the initial story showed a picture of the bears standing up on their hind legs. And it looked like somebody wearing a really badly made bear suit. Then we had, in our last show, we had a bear that was waving to the public, very much like a human. I had kind of, because a, a Malaysian zoologist said, no, that really is a sun bear. That's what they look like. It's not a human in a suit. I took him or her for their word. Then I see this bear standing up, looking at the camera, doing this. And I'm thinking, no, sorry, I'm not buying it. That's a guy in a suit. I mean, after all, it is the China Zoo, okay? One of the zoos in China. Well, there's more. There's more. More of the bear waving to the camera story. Check out two bears laying on their backs. Watch this guy in the back. Hang on a second. Let me get my mouse back. Okay. Watch this guy. Watch him wave. And tell me this isn't a guy in a suit. 
take a look. They both look because, hello. Watch it again. Nope. Sorry. Guy in a suit. I am no longer convinced. That is, what do you think? Put it in the chat if you want. Let me know. Send me an email or something. I'm telling you, I don't care what the zoologist from Malaysia says. That ain't a real bear. That's a guy or a gal in a suit. All right. I got one more that we're going to move on to our uh, book. We're reading George Orwell's 1980, not, uh, 1984. Sorry. <laughs> a bit distracted. All right. This is cool. This is so cool. I always like to leave you with one last funny video or something, a story of some kind. Well, check this out. Yes, it's just a rooster. But this is what happens when you... Now, I'm going to warn you, there's a volume warning here. You might want to turn your volume down a little bit. I've got it turned down here, but it might still not be turned down enough. This is what happens when you're a little too dedicated to your craft. enough enough once is enough thank you oh my god that folks is dedication i mean first of all that is the longest crow i think i've ever heard of in my life but second of all in the end he has worn himself out so much he loses his balance and falls over and lands on his butt <laughs> that's dedication to your craft well done mr rooster <laughs> All right, we have read children's classic literature, Peter Pan, Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, we've done all of them on this show. They've been great. And we switched things up a bit, started reading George Orwell's 1984 a while back. We're uh, towards the end of the book now. There's not much more to go. And we're going to keep going a little bit of a chapter at a time until we get to the end and uh, finish up. I'm not sure what we're going to read next. We just keep going on something. Maybe we'll do Animal Farm. I'm not sure if that's in the public domain. I'll have to check it out. But um, let us know. If you'd like to suggest a book, you can put it in the chat. Love that rooster. Hey, Karen, is it Hillam? I hope I got your name right, Karen. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. Yeah, I know. I love The link is in our show notes if you want. to Share it out on your social media. But yeah, that... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, uh, Karen. All right, it is Karen. I appreciate that. Thanks. And thanks for watching the show. Be sure to hit the follow button. Okay, here we go. George Orwell's 1984. He set to work to exercise himself in crime stop. He presented himself with propositions. The party says the earth is flat. The party says that ice is heavier than water. Trained himself in not seeing and not understanding that arguments that contradicted them. It wasn't easy. It needed great powers of reasoning and improvisation. The arithmetic problems raised, for instance, by such a statement as two and two make five, were beyond his intellectual grasp. It needed also a sort of athleticism of the mind, 
an ability at one moment to make the most delicate usage of logic, and the next to be unconscious of the crudest logical errors. Stupidity was as necessary as intelligence, and as difficult to attain. All the while, with one part of his mind, he wondered how soon they would shoot him. Everything depends on yourself, O'Brien had said, but he knew that there was no conscious act by which he could bring it nearer. Might be ten minutes hence, or ten years. They might keep him for years in solitary confinement. They might send him to a labor camp. They might release him for a while, as they sometimes did. It was perfectly possible that before he was shot, the whole drama of his arrest and interrogation would be enacted all over again. One certain thing was that death never came at the expected moment. The tradition, the unspoken tradition, somehow you knew it, though you never heard it said, was that they shot you from the behind, always in the back of the head, without warning, as you walked down a corridor from cell to cell. One day, but one day, was not the right expression, just as probably it was in the middle of the night. Once he fell into a strange, blissful reverie. He was walking down the corridor, waiting for the bullet. He knew that it was coming in another moment. Everything was settled, smoothed out, reconciled. There were no more doubts, no more arguments, no more pain, no more fear. His body was healthy and strong. He walked easily with the joy of movement and with a feeling of walking in sunlight. He was not any longer in the narrow white corridors in the Ministry of Love. He was in the enormous sunlit passage, kilometer wide, down which he'd seemed to walk in the delirium induced by drugs. He was in the Golden Country, following the foot track across the old rabbit-cropped pasture. He could feel the short, springy turf under his feet, and the gentle sunshine on his face. At the edge of the field were the elm trees faintly stirring, and somewhere beyond that was the stream where the dace lay in the green pools under the willows. Suddenly, he started up with a shock of horror. The sweat broke out on his backbone. He'd heard himself cry aloud, Julia! Julia! Julia, my love, Julia! For a moment, he had an overwhelming hallucination of her presence. She seemed to be not merely with him, but inside him. It was as though she'd got into the texture of his skin. In that moment, he had loved her far more than he had ever done when they were together and free. Also he knew that somewhere or other she was still alive and needed his help. He lay back on the bed, tried to compose himself. What had he done? 
How many years has he added to his servitude by that moment of weakness? In another moment, he would hear the tramp of boots outside. They could not let such an outburst go unpunished. They would know now, if they had not known before, that he was breaking the agreement he'd made with them. He obeyed the party, but still he hated the party. In the old days, he had hidden a heretical mind beneath an appearance of conformity. Now he'd retreated a step further in the mind he'd surrendered, but he had hoped to keep the inner heart invalid. <clears throat> Excuse me. He knew he was in the wrong, but he preferred to be in the wrong. They would understand that. O'Brien would understand. It was all confessed in that single foolish cry. He would have to start all over again. It might take years. He ran a hand over his face, trying to familiarize himself with the new shape. <clears throat> there were deep furrows in the cheeks. The cheekbones felt sharp. The nose flattened. Besides, since last seeing himself in the glass, he'd been given a complete new set of teeth. It wasn't easy to preserve inscrutability when you did not know what your face looked like. In any case, mere control of the features wasn't enough. For the first time, he perceived that if you want to keep a secret... You must also hide it from yourself. You must know all the while that it's there. But until it's needed, you must never let it emerge into your consciousness in any shape that could be given a name. From now onward, he must not only think right. He must feel right, dream right. And all the while, he must keep his hatred locked up inside him like a ball of matter which was part of himself, and yet unconnected with the rest of him, a kind of cyst. One day they would decide to shoot him. You could not tell when it would happen, but a few seconds beforehand it should be possible to guess. It was always from behind, walking down a corridor, Ten seconds would be enough. In that time, the world inside him would turn over. Suddenly, without a word uttered, without a cheek in his step, without the changing of a line in his face, suddenly the camouflage would be down, and bang would go the batteries of his hatred. Hatred would fill him like an enormous, roaring flame. And almost in that same instant, bang, would go the bullet. Too late, or too early. They would have blown his brain to pieces before he could reclaim it. The heretical thought would be unpunished, unrepented, out of their reach forever. They'd have blown a hole in their own perfection, to die hating them. That was freedom. And that's where we're going to cut it off for tonight. We'll pick it up again on tomorrow night's show. 
All right, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by, popping in, and uh, I will see you again uh, tomorrow. Be sure and hit that follow button. It's right over here, very easy to do. It helps the show out a lot. It's free for you and really do appreciate it. Just give us a follow. And check out all of our sponsors, all our links. They're all down there in the show notes for you. Uh, check them out, get to some great details. Blackout Coffee, NordVPN, Skillshare, uh, all kinds of great folks down there. BarkBox.com slash Miko2. And uh, all right, thanks again. I will see you again tomorrow. Ah.